It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider. Pete Sampson joined by Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. And uh, guys, where were you when the college football playoff rankings came out? Were you watching them? Hell yeah, I was watching them. <laughs> no, I was studying for a test. Um, I was doing charity. Were you? Yep. yep. Good. That's that's good of Helping you. Helping my kids eat dinner. Uh, front and center in front of the uh, television. And I, I wasn't shocked by Notre Dame being number three. I think we talked about this on Monday. I thought they could be number four. I would have understood why Clemson was number three and Notre Dame number four. Uh, the top seven was how I had it aligned and then a little different. Uh, same same teams, eight through ten, but a little different alignment. But, uh, yeah, I think Notre Dame's earned it. Uh, up to this point, a lot can change between now and then. We have a question regarding that, and there are a lot of variables. But uh, it's a pretty darn good place to be heading into November. It's also shocking. But at this point, you know, we three weeks ago we talked about what are the odds of winning out, and there was eh, that's kind of let's not talk about that. Now yeah, you have to. Now you have to, and now they're favored to. I know mathematically it's difficult to say that because it'll be about. I did see a, a future line um, before this week's games. They're about a four-point favorite at Miami, um, and they still were not. Uh, they hadn't changed anything in the Stanford line. It wasn't out there. So you figured they're favored the next three, and I pick them uh, at Stanford if not favored. You wouldn't bet against them at this point. Whereas three weeks ago, you would have bet against them for sure. You would have bet yeah. a loss along yeah. those six games. One and one, one, one loss, one yeah, loss yeah. Uh, along the way. Pete, yeah. you were a, you were some, you thought Notre Dame might be fifth. Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought that they would. You know, I, I totally misread the Ohio State-Oklahoma dynamic because uh, I thought that Ohio State would actually be ranked ahead Me of, too. of Oklahoma. I, I thought they would too. Uh, and that's why Ohio State would be four and maybe Notre Dame would be five. So I was I was surprised. Um, I think until the morning of the rankings, as I would try to like digest as much national media take on it that cover the rankings as if it's a sport unto itself. Um, and... You know, when you're reading more about okay, here's what's ma- here's what matters to the committee. It was who you beat, who you played, um, and the eye test opposed to who you lost to, and yeah, that because in the past Notre Dame's argument for the playoffs has always been, well, they had a really good loss with Clemson, and the, and the committee doesn't give a crap about that. They care who you beat, and Notre Dame has pounded why would they three not? top twenty five teams? Why would why would you not consider? Who- who you lost to and how you lost. I think... Well, if you get blown out, they consider that. But the fact that Clemson lost to Syracuse is not a huge weight on their resume. I mean, dragging it but down. What, but 
But what you know, I mean, Syracuse has four losses. Why wouldn't it be? I, I, I guess I just don't understand why that would be diminished. I, I would at in least their have eyes. an outlier. I would have an outlier on both sides of the scale, like losing by one point to Georgia if Georgia's twelve and zero, and losing to let's say someone worse than Syracuse. Syracuse will be a bowl team. It's a Friday. Let, let's be honest. Friday night road game Syracuse. You can understand a team not being one hundred percent there, right? Clemson. Yeah, which they were not. They were it's a weird dynamic. I know maybe that. Kelly Bryant got hurt in the game. Yeah, I in think, the, the real world, that down. is a strange game situation to play in. But I, I don't. I think you, Georgia is a. There's a rare great loss. Georgia's a great loss. Had Notre Dame continued through 2014 undefeated, and Florida State was undefeated in the playoffs, winners of 27 straight, that would be a great loss. There aren't many great losses, but I do think they have one this year if Georgia continues on to an undefeated regular season. Yeah, I just the point is more like that's. That can't be the first line of your resume. No, but I think if and you it's lose, the, and for Notre Dame, it's finally not. I think if you lose to North Carolina, that's an, that's like the other side of the scale that has to be held against you this year because they're yeah. so bad. If but you, Syracuse is. I fine. think if you lose to a seven and five team on the road, you know I know Syracuse doesn't have a great brand name and everything, but they're not awful, is what you're saying. They're not. They're, they're not they're, an abomination. No, and I mean their offense is can be a handful yeah. to deal with, and it was that night, and Clemson wasn't ready to play. You made a point, Pete, on. A Monday about Clemson, and you know they have defeated wins. Auburn. With the, Auburn has two losses, they won at Virginia Tech, and they won by two touchdowns. But it was, I mean, I think it was pretty decisive. So I would have understood, you know, I would have understood that. And they're defending national champs. Is that should that count for anything? I think it kind of should. And uh, and their defense is really good too. Yeah. So wouldn't have been surprised, but not shocked that Notre Dame was number three, and they're they're in a good position. And it's based on the. The coverage of the rankings on Tuesday night—it sounded like there was a, there were Notre Dame was a definitive number three. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, oh, we weren't sure if it was Notre Dame or Clemson. It was like it was there was a clear top two that were really close. Then it was Notre Dame in like a tier by itself, and then four through eight were sort of close, jumbled up. And Notre Dame fans to be rooting for NC State this week. That's for oh, sure. Oh God, yes. That's that game is more interesting than Notre Dame Wake. Well, NC yeah, State Clemson. We we have a question about, and we'll get to that. But I mean, I just you know. Clemson losing, Ohio State losing, Oklahoma losing. Those would be good things to clear some of the yeah. clutter for Notre Dame as they move forward. But, man, it's um, it's surprising how little clutter there seems to be. Um, you know, it's a fair, fair warning when you look at the first playoff rankings the previous three years, the team that opened at number three never made it. Um, but... You no. see some of those teams. But too. that's because like they didn't take care State, of business, right? I mean, they all end up losing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot Mississippi State was number one for the first ever release of a playoff. Yeah. That is just... And Ole Miss was four. Yeah. Nice wow. season. Jeez. But I do think... I, I think there is a demarcation from the top six. Number seven is Penn State. Penn State, you know, not totally their fault. I mean, their Big Ten schedule is not going to produce a lot of impressive wins, even if they win moving forward. Um, it's a little bit their fault so, because Oklahoma, Ohio State went out and signed Oklahoma. That's that's a heck of a non-conference game. You know, if you're going to be oh, looking true. against each other, that is... No, true. Wisconsin yeah. can play all they want, but Ohio State signed up to play a home-and-home home right. with Oklahoma. No doubt. No doubt. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that... That's the way it You know, when, when like people will say, well, their schedule stinks. Well, a lot of times, yes. you just don't have control over how your down. conference is playing. So, I think in terms of, you know... Spinning it forward a little bit to Wake Forest. It's not a not a game where Notre Dame. I think even if they win forty to ten, spoiler alert, that's going to be my prediction in five minutes. But um, it's not a game where I think Notre Dame can, is going to impress a whole lot of people. 
even if they win by 62 points. Um, but in terms of Wake Forest, the Mike Elko dynamic, there are some interesting factors to the game. Because Wake Forest, despite some really, I think, what will prove to be debil- debilitating injuries on Saturday um, with their top receiver and their top safety, um, they do some things interestingly well. They, this is We're talking about the team that leads the nation in tackles for loss. And they do it because it, it's not a flip. I mean, they shoot the gap. They know... they. Their plan is to put you behind the chains and then try and make hay with a nickel package and, and when you're hitting second and 13. But Notre Dame's not going to a passing attack on second and 13. You still have to line up against them um, but as you and, and play the run. But as you know, every offense struggles in third and long, and Notre Dame is no exception. I think they are now 6 for 26 in uh, converting third and 10 or more. And at least three are Brandon Wimbush runs. Not to say he can't keep doing that, because he certainly can. But that is Wake Forest's best bet to keeping this game close. And, of course, keeping the game close and putting game pressure on Notre Dame in the history of all game pressure on one team would be on Notre Dame in this home game. I, I do disagree with one thing. And I, I guess, Pete, conversely, what do you think if it's 35-20? to 20, Does that influence negatively Notre Dame in this game? Um, National it might a little bit. Uh, it might a little bit, but... I don't think it's going to make a huge difference with Miami coming up the very next yeah, week. Well, you're right. I guess it's the, this, the rankings don't end after yeah. this week. So, And that's the difference between Notre Dame this year and Notre Dame in 2015. Two massive chances for improvement. But what if it's 27-23? Well, that does. And then it, then, does. then it yeah. does. Um, you know, interesting. Uh, when, I, when I think of Wake Forest, in, in 2014, they were averaging 1.3 yards per carry. I mean, that is just... Absolutely horrible. They're now at four yards a carry, so they're better. They're 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 definitely better. But a point on Wake Forest yeah. relative to the playoffs, they lost to Clemson twenty eight fourteen. So, well, once you start getting the comparative, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That's good. Um, eighty ninth in the country against the run. Love your comment from Monday. Where will they be ranked after this week? Lower. Uh, I would I would imagine so. I think this is a game where, um. You know, like USC, but contrary to NC State, I think Brandon Wimbush can do a lot of damage on the edge. Um, certainly the loss of Greg Dorch is significant because he is, I mean, if you t- check him out. He is a huge playmaker. But, and you, you've, you uh, Pete, in the past, you did something on Jesse Bates or you, you yeah, looked re- into Jesse Bates. And I wrote a story on Jesse Bates after Mike Elko got hired. And I talked to his high school coach because he's from Fort Wayne, uh, I think Snyder High School. And I talked to his mom, actually, because I want to get a sort of vibe of, like, okay, what's Elko about? And, I mean, they both raved about Elko because um, Bates was not a – I'm trying to go going back to his recruitment. Like, he was – it's some late offers, not a lot of, like, a couple Big Ten. He was I a want to say, like, right? Minnesota maybe was involved. But it wasn't – this wasn't a guy that Wake Forest took away from, like, Michigan. Right. Um, so it was – I think he – you know, was sort of a late bloomer type in high school, uh, but went down to Wake Forest, really liked Elko and what they were doing down there. And it's like he's the quintessential Elko development project because not only is he a lower-ranked guy that's turned into, like, a fringe all-conference performer, he's also a safety. Um, so he, Elko yeah. was his position coach. And, I mean, lo and behold, he leads the team in tackles. Um, you know, he's, But he's out for this game. And that, to me, I think that's going to be a huge blow. It's a huge what. loss. It's, a, I mean, it was already a fairly young secondary, and now I, he was only a sophomore. I, I get that, but I mean, he was yeah. he he played like an upperclassman, and now that secondary is even younger. Um, 
Wimbush is going to tear them up on the edge. I think he's got a chance to have another hundred yard rushing game or Be- thereabouts. Because Josh Adams, they are they have found the what the plan is with Josh Adams and he pounds it between those tackles, which allows yeah. Wimbush to tear it up on the edge. It yeah. is, and that's that's why I don't think no matter what Wake brings, they can hold up in this game. On the other side of the ball, it is relevant. You don't really think of Wake Force in offense, but I mean they've scored one less touchdown than Stanford has this year. You do think of Stanford at offense. They scored more touchdowns than NC State has. We think of them. But that was with Dort. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, exa- exactly. But you know, it's it's a it's an offense that is competent and competent. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're going to run into some trouble cuz he's I remember back when I uh just graduated from college, I worked up at the Herald Palladium uh in St. Joe, Michigan and wrote a story about a a team that had basically one guy and he made them he made them tick a running back yeah. and the coach even admitted he's our team because we have a lot of good fine kids. Right. He makes everybody good because they have to concentrate on him. Well, and he, I think Dorch is Yeah, he is that. predominantly their offense. And, and Wolford, their quarterback, who played against Notre Dame a couple of years ago, he's had a good year, but a lot of it has to do with Dorch. Uh, as I mentioned, the running game has improved from where it was. We talk about RPOs and what we saw during the preseason with Notre Dame. We thought that that would be truly be a bigger part of what Notre Dame does. That is a fairly significant part of what Wake Forest does. Which is fun to watch. So it is fun to watch, and it's really damn difficult to stop. So... Um, you know, we'll we'll see if Notre Dame is. I mean, Notre Dame will be prepared uh, for that. But it's a, it it's the kind of play if executed perfectly is really really difficult to stop. I I've, I am with you, O'Malley, on the Wimbush running the ball more. I mean, he couldn't run it less than he did last week. But I mean, you just sort of look at the the read option plays. The running back keeps it versus the quarterback keeps it with Wimbush. It's sort of been like a seventy five twenty five running back quarterback. And last week it was thirty-one to one. Like that's that's not going to hold up because like the trend is a little bit more balanced. And I think the way that Josh Adams is going, that Wake Forest will be like, eh, we can't live with that. So we're just going to hope we can chase Wimbush down on the edge and beat a receiver who's trying to block us. I think yep. that, that's a, that's a better approach than leaving the lane <laughs> right up the middle for a seventy-five yard touchdown because that never works. You don't think putting one guy in front of Quentin Nelson and Mustafer is going to be the plan? I don't. I asked, hold up. Just, just hold that point. I man. asked Wimbush about that. Was it seventy-five yard touchdown run? Seventy-seven? How long was that? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven yard touchdown run, and he was just like, "I don't know how you defend it," but that was a, a the the word he used was absurd. An absurd way to defend it is just leave a linebacker out of position. Uh, and hope that that guy can catch up to Josh Adams, which he obviously did not. Another challenge for Notre Dame's offensive tackles against a quality defensive end, Duke Edge of four. A little bit different than, than uh, well, different than Harold Landry, different than, than Bradley Chubb. More of a power guy, more of a bull rusher. You know, you watch film of him, and he, it looks like a guy's got him squared up, and then all of a sudden, and McGlinchey said it yesterday, he's slippery. All of a sudden, he slides off of it. He's just... He's very, very strong. He does it mainly with strength. Um, not as not as many, certainly not as many moves as a Bradley Chubb. Um, but interesting to see how Notre Dame deals with him. Because Wimbush, a lot of the reason why Wimbush didn't run last week was because he. it looked to me like he was avoiding Bradley Chubb even handing off when he should have kept on some zone read stuff. It's not a bad idea, though. Well, did you see when he kept it on <laughs> yeah. that, that option, the straight option they tried to run? Yeah! <laughs> I'm falling down! <laughs> um, he was well, Edge of Four can do that yeah. to guys, too. Chubb was a terror, and Edge of Four is really, really good, too. I mean, he's another Elko 
development story because I think he was a two-star guy out of Texas who was undersized. Wow. Um, and now he's got 14 tackles for loss and six and a half sacks. So he's he's outstanding. But unlike, I guess, unlike NC State at full strength, which I guess they really were not at defensive tackle, I don't know who was going to support Edgefor in the front seven in a way that Notre Dame can't neutralize one really good player. Well, they're a lot smaller defensive tackle than um, NC State was, and over the course of 60 minutes, Notre Dame pushed those 350-pound guys around. So they've got a 285-pounder that Notre Dame will destroy in the middle of, with the middle of their offensive line. The way Notre Dame's offense is set up, and it's a beautiful thing to watch if you're a Notre Dame fan, they have... Completely eradicated the one or two guys is going to be a problem is going to beat us. Notre Dame's offense is going to run over everyone that doesn't have a bunch of pros in the front seven. The end. The way they run their offense now is they so, run the football. Although NC State, but the NC State, yeah, exactly. But it NC is, State had a bunch of pros up front. Better pros. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I think their defensive ends are pros, yeah. and their defensive tackles were hurt. Yeah. A bunch. Like you need like nine. You need Georgia's yeah. nine. Georgia. Just Georgia. like Brian Kelly said, there's yeah. only two teams in yeah. the world. Yeah, well, I like that response, by the way. Who are the, yeah, how do you yeah. rank them? Georgia 1, Notre Dame 2, and there are no other teams? <laughs> no one, I'm not getting anyone in trouble. <laughs> Nick Saban's just like printing it out. God, they, finally, somebody's, somebody is disrespecting us. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think this weekend on Wake Forest, I, I'm, I want to see a little bit more from Wimbush, not just running the ball, but throwing it and sort of getting back to that Adams run. He said that he anticipates teams putting more guys in the box, so... It's not just an obvious give or an obvious keep. It's if it's an RPO, which is how that play was set up, that there's advantages on the perimeter. Because at this point, I don't understand why you wouldn't defend Notre Dame that way. It makes no sense to me. You've been banging that drum for three weeks. I just now. like. <laughs> I mean, can, can we ask Brian Kelly this? Like, why are teams defending you this way? But no follow up. Just let him take let him take that question wherever he wants to. Because it, I I would make Wimbush. Pass the ball in these RPO type setups and, and see what happens. And if he beats you, great, tip of the hat. But if he doesn't, I think you got you got to at least find out because you can't live with Josh Adams running for two hundred yards. It's kind of like the slot back in a triple option. If he beats you, okay, but you got to take away, you yeah, gotta take away the fullback and the quarterback first. Yeah, no question. Uh, predictions this weekend. So why? Yeah, why? Why is this only a fourteen point I, spread? I what am know. I? What am I missing well, here? Uh, Pete mentioned something. Clemson 28, Wake Forest 14. There, there's one relevant note there. I don't know why the line didn't move. So, in other words, that's with, why it could be set at 14. Right. Well, with, with, with the Dorch and Bates injuries, I don't it, understand why the line didn't move. It should have climbed, I would think. I would think the Mike Elko effect of him knowing everyone, as I said on defense and as you said in incident analysis, on offense on Wake Forest, all strengths and weaknesses is a big deal. Bill Reese was in the program. You can't have better advanced scouting than Notre Dame has of a team missing two of their best players that's not as good as you. So, why is it 14? I don't know, but I'm not falling for it. <laughs> I, hey, Vegas has big buildings, so I'm probably going to lose this one. <laughs> but I have... Big buildings. If Notre Dame doesn't win by three touchdowns, I'll be surprised. I'm tempted to try to be smart. Smart and be 33-20-and-a-half. <laughs> <laughs> something along those but lines. I, but I doubt that I'm going to do that. I just don't see... I, They're now, not going to the, cover the, at some point. They're 7-1. Okay, and now the letdown factor, which, you know, we, we've been talking with the players here this week, and... and I think they're kind of, at this point, kind of fascinated with, okay, no, I've never been on a team that has gone an entire season without an emotional letdown. Let's see if we can pull that off 
I mean, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I just, I think that they're kind of amused by the the challenge of that now. Now I, that we talk I, about it so much, I, if Elka was a defensive coordinator, just another really, it was another uh, Frank Broyles Award candidate defensive coordinator for Notre Dame that didn't come from Wake Forest. I could see a letdown here because it's the two big games at home, a little bit of a you know coming down the hill, a little bit you get this playoff ranking. Three games in a row at home. Obviously, the crowd won't be as good as they have been. But Elko is not. This is the most. This is a huge game for their name's staff. It's. I cannot see a letdown here. I'm in the 38-17 range. I'm scrunching it up because Notre Dame can't always score 40. It's cold. Maybe somebody maybe it'll be a tip pass interception. Why I'm giving them 17, I'm not sure. I think it's because. Yeah. See, that's part of what well, perplexes of is, me with this. That's what. But that's why I don't understand the line. So I'm just. I'm just gonna pretend that the people that make these lines know what they're talking about. Notre Dame will pull away and win. You, this rushing attack is not getting held down at home by Wake Forest without one of their best defensive players. On the, the letdown factor, I thought Drew Tranquil's uh, answer to that during captain's press conferences was genuine and intriguing when he said, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the younger guys haven't got a little bit more emotionally all over the mm-hmm. board. Because, um, I mean, at some point that will occur. It might even occur this weekend. But not on defense, right? I'll but, go. like... Who are the who are the younger guys that we're talking about? Like, are you, are you is it a sophomore who doesn't cover kickoffs properly? Because it's not really any like is it Jalen Elliott or something? I'm not really sure. Um, there are very few younger guys that I look at and think, well, if this guy doesn't play well, Notre Dame is in trouble. Because um, for the most part, they're rotational types right. of players. So I think that they will be fine. I think that they're going to roll Wake Forest forty to ten. I just. If Dorch and Bates were playing, I could see. Uh, you see my score, thirty eight seventeen. I could, I, could even, I could even see twenty eight twenty because I, I think Wake Forest will be will be up for the game. Um, but I, when you take your two best players off the field, especially Dorch. Two, two of your yeah. two of your best three players off the field. See, I would say especially. I, I get. I, I mean, I think he they're both the, really important. But Bates is the 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 brain trust of the defense. I was giving Dorch like James Gardner or you know, the puncher's chance type of guy that he okay. just beats Watkins twice right. for touchdowns and there's two touchdowns. That type of thing where he's yeah. not there now. He's really good, man. He's he's really good, but he's done for the year. So you have <laughs> Notre just, Dame winning as well, too? I do have Notre Dame winning as well, and, I, and I, I'm not going to try to outsmart myself. I don't think I... I it, it just It's perplexed me as to what if it's 55 and a half or whatever it is, what what what's... What's the right, yeah, what's the right score then? All right, we'll be back for segment two with questions. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller. 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. Questions for our readers and Twitter. First up, Jim Bo on Twitter wants to know, any update on potential early draft departures for Notre Dame? And he asked specifically about EQ St. Brown, Josh Adams, and Jerry Tillery. Uh, yeah, well, we first of all, we asked that uh, Sam for last night, what his intentions were. He clearly is coming back. I don't think that that's a Will Fuller type thing. He's he's an offensive lineman that plays for Harry Easton, 
if he says he's coming back, he, he's coming back. But, you know, St. Brown Adams, um, I'm not sure that St. Brown's in a position to do that. Certainly Josh Adams is. Um, you know, and the, the shelf life of a running back is, is is very short. Who was the other one that you that you asked? Uh, Tillery. Tillery. Uh, we did ask Tillery last night, and he said when the time comes to evaluate that, he will evaluate that. Josh Adams should unequivocally go pro. This is the best line he'll ever play for, even at the next level. And <laughs> uh, he's having a great year. He's, a, as you said, tread on the tires at running back. Come back and get your degree later because you're in no way help yourself coming back to Notre Dame. Yeah. Equinemia of St. Brown should not go pro because there's 200 of him running around that are eight between the ages of 21 and 30. So that's a bad idea, and I think Tillery should come home or come home should come back to Notre Dame because <laughs> come home, don't, Jerry. No, don't go home. Whatever you do, <laughs> transfer to LSU. He, he does. That's a bad move on his part. But uh, Tillery should come back because it's a different world at the defensive line in the NFL, and I don't think yeah, Tillery I mean, is mentally prepared. Yeah, he's well. he's made great progress, it's, but he's not a great defensive tackle it's yet. It's not a bad thing to say a guy could be a great senior college player. That's what Jerry Tillery yeah, could be. Right. There are a lot of them. Um, and wouldn't you think he wants, I mean, he wants to get his degree. Yes. That's really, yeah. really important. Did you guys ask him how close he is to that? Because he did early enrollment, and yeah. obviously he's pretty intellectual, I, too. I, I did not. You do have to give up your spring semester, though, to, to go pro. So, like, he's ahead, but once you give up your spring semester, you're back to being a year away, right? Does that make sense? Uh, yes. So that Yeah, you would have to go Pro, but then take classes in the spring and, and probably wrap that. up in the summer. I just, I remember Sheldon Day because he did early enrollment. You know, and he was debating mm-hmm. like, do I leave? Do I come back? He ends up coming back, and I don't know what his course load was in the spring semester, but in the fall he had one class to finish his undergraduate degree. So oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that he probably could have <laughs> wrapped that up in the summer if he really pushed it, but strategically yeah. did not. I wonder if Jerry Tillery might even be a couple courses ahead of where Sheldon yeah. Day was. So it's uh, they they should have a, a decent amount back. But Three more guys, other guys to consider. Drew Tranquil has a we, lot to consider, which we will be asking him this question. The pluses there for Tranquil to leave are he's having a great year. Uh, he the NFL has gone his way in terms of position with uh, multiplicity of things he can do, and he's getting married, so you can start your life um, with an NFL salary with an Notre Dame degree in mechanical engineering. Right? Yes, not a bad way to go. Uh, the minuses would be. I mean, another plus would be he's had two injuries, so it's probably a good time to get out before you have another one. Minus might be he wants to come back and be a captain of the number three ranked team of the country next year as a possibility, too. Uh, Jay Hayes, we have to ask? I would think Jay Hayes would definitely come back. I he think definitely he needs to yeah, come back. Yeah, I'm just, and then Alex year was off the radar, and yeah. you're done at Notre Dame, maybe. You I know? mean, I feel like the fifth-year seniors, if you can get a, get Tranquil, Hayes, Bonner, Bars, Mustafer. You'd pretty much just roll with that, and anything else would like. They may not have space for more than for that. some of the guys that would normally make it. Like, yeah, like Wisher would in every other year would be an automatic return. Right, like isn't? Uh, I think we'll find him on the team next year. But I'm saying that in every other year, it's an automatic that Nick Wisher is back at tight end. Yes, yeah. yeah. There's when there's space. Yeah, it's uh, there's been a bunch of conversation about this on the message board about roster management and 85 scholarships, and I. I fully expect next offseason to look like last offseason, where guys who you would consider to be 55 to 85 in terms of ranking the players on the roster, that's where the attrition will be, opposed to players 1 through 10. And I'm, I'm, look, Quentin Nelson and Josh Adams, I'm not including in that group. Um, We left one out. Um, Nick Watkins is a starter that could be a fifth year returning, and I would assume he'll be back. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I mean, 
you would think he would return, but I, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know enough about Nick Watkins and sort of his where he's looking to, to say one way or the other. Is that it? And I think that, well, Alizé Mack, but I don't think he's going pro. No. Okay. Terry Benedict, if Notre Dame wins out, do you see them finishing higher, lower, or the same as they currently are ranked in the college football? There, there are so many variables associated with this question, you know, starting with, um, you know, strength of schedule. You know, Stanford goes to Washington State, hosts Washington, plays rival Kell, and then plays Notre Dame. So they're in a position where, um, you know, they've got two losses. They could finish with a handful of losses. So that could impact it. Um, Alabama, Georgia, two undefeated teams meet in the SEC championship. Alabama defeats Georgia. Georgia still remains in the top four. So does Alabama. What if Georgia beats Alabama? Their strength of schedule isn't as great, but they're Alabama. Yeah. And they pass the eye test, and they deserve to be in the top four. Alabama would have beaten Auburn in that situation. Um, so there's their best win. Right. And it happened a week before. That, right. Let's, I'm telling that is totally relevant to the committee, no matter what anybody says. And that's why Oklahoma was getting in over Notre Dame in 2015, had they beaten Stanford. Yeah, Alabama would have to lose twice. Let's be honest, right? Alabama's. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, wait, this year? Do we really? <laughs> yeah, do we really need to football? wonder if Alabama would fall beyond four if they lose to Georgia? Yeah, they would right. not. Georgia is the interesting one here because Georgia goes to Auburn, where according to the same site that has Notre Dame favored over Miami, they are underdogs at Auburn. That is the old. I don't know if people in the Midwest know this. That is the oldest rivalry in the South. Yeah. It's the big, big deal for those for those schools. It's a rough spot for Georgia, and then they have Alabama. Um, Georgia could lose twice. If I were to rate who is going to the college football playoffs right now, I would think Alabama is one. I think Notre Dame is two. I think Georgia's three behind Notre Dame because I think they can lose twice. That's my whole purpose here is I think they can lose at Auburn. It's it's a 50-50 game. Sure. I think, I think Ohio State's going to find their way in. Okay, and, and so that to complete that answer to the question, you have you have Clemson if they win the ACC title, Ohio State if they win the Big Ten title, Oklahoma if they win the Big Twelve title. You you add up all these things. Notre you know, Dame will be in front of them. Okay, but I'm saying in. Stanford's at now eight and four. You know, I'm just, I, I well, just I mean, what can go wrong? I'm just throwing out things. Of, that, I mean, is Oklahoma State no, going to lose again? Uh, they, I know, yeah. I know, I get <laughs> it, I get it. Eight and four, still, you know, that's yeah. not a bad record. Or like people, well, what if Miami loses Virginia Tech? Okay, well, they're going to finish ten and two. That's not a bad record. That's still that's a huge win for Notre Dame. So there are some things that can happen. Notre Dame doesn't one hundred percent control their own destiny, but put a percentage on Tim. If they win out, yeah, I think they're over two. Okay, well yeah. then, so you think it is 100%. Yeah, I think if they went out there... Even, even if all these other things fall into place yeah. against well, them. Well, I, mean, I don't think there's no, no chance all those things are falling into place. It just never happens that way in college football. There is a chance. There's a chance. There's it's a just, chance. It just hasn't okay, happened well, in the history of There's a chance you could hit that 10-team parlay. Yeah, right? We're trying to... Right. Right. chance. So in trying to answer My Terry Benedict's question... My wife hit a 10-team parlay, but she only bet a dollar on sports. Oh, wow, jeez. So she won 100 bucks. She won $375. She won $375. But I thought she bet five, because that would be a lot more, and I was just mad at her for betting a dollar. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Alabama. Alabama's in. <laughs> Look, there's a bias because they're awesome every year. Alabama has to lose twice, not to get in. Right? I would agree. Okay. Georgia. Well, unless they were to lose to somebody, and who do they have? Georgia also has to lose twice not to get in. They do, um, unless Alabama murdered them 
Because Alabama, if Georgia loses to Auburn and Alabama kills them, they don't have a better resume than Notre Dame anymore. That game was three months ago. Right. You know, that's just not a... Right. And that's not impossible, what I just said. <laughs> Alabama would just run it right. up on someone. Um, yeah, I think Ohio State's the tricky one here if you're a Notre Dame fan because I think they keep winning. And well, you want to talk about a team that also gets some favor, well-deserved from being I think good. That, I think Oklahoma might be trickier because the committee said that Oklahoma was ahead of Ohio State because of the head-to-head. Now, even though... So when you say, well, yeah. that was three months ago, the committee might not look at it that way. And I think when Oklahoma they lost to Iowa lot, State, though. you're just like, Iowa State, gross. And now it's like, wow, Iowa State's actually pretty good. They are an underdog this week at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's yeah. chances of winning I don't, not I don't think as, Oklahoma know. is not going to win out because their defenses are very good. Yeah. But I'm just saying if they did, they would have a really good argument to be ahead of Ohio State. Sure, oh, sure. Really yeah. good argument. So I... I this question was asking, are they going to be higher or lower or the higher. same? I think they're going to be higher. I think they'll be the same. Okay. I just have Georgia losing twice. That's all. That's why I said And that. really, yeah. whether Notre Dame is higher or the same... Is the exact same thing. It, it's just a difference of jersey color. Actually, there's, the one, there's one difference. It matters who's number two. <laughs> Notre Dame's the same. Here, yeah, here's what I really want most of all. I want Notre Dame to be two or three. And not... And I want Alabama yeah. to be one. <laughs> totally. That's my. That was the elephant in the room. I'm saying. I know everybody wants to scream. Bring them on. All right. Let's so, let's let's let somebody else try and take right, them out first. Saying, and you want to get your butt can, kicked in the national championship <laughs> game instead of a. It's harder. To, one I'm week to prepare versus I'm not forty saying days. That's Nick Saban, thirty-five days. Nick Saban. Well, that's a good days. point. This that is, is a good point. Don't play this Alabama is also worth factoring whether it's Georgia or Alabama that's number one. You do not want to be number four. Because then you're drawing them in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, which is going to be ridiculous. If you're two or three in Alabama or Georgia's number one, then you're getting your game at the Rose Bowl, which is at least, I mean, the venue is spectacular. If, I mean, you can Alabama, Notre Dame, and the Rose Bowl. I just want to go Give to the Rose Bowl. Give me a break. So I hope Notre Dame's um, or, or, yeah, I'm gonna or go. Notre Dame. I'm going to go or if they go. You gonna go? I want Notre Dame to be number two now because I want to cover the game in Pasadena. <laughs> well, or three. I mean, yeah. just really, if you, the best case scenario for Notre Dame is to finish two or three, and Alabama would be number one because then you're avoiding Alabama and you get to play in the Rose Bowl. So if you're looking for a scenario that like you can get behind as a fan, that's the one. That's the one. Irish fan four twenty five. Given Niles Morgan's chronic shoulder issue that he tweaked against NC State, would you sit him against Wake Forest? No, because it's not North Carolina. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Wake is that bad, even though I'm predicting forty to ten. And you don't. Uh, he's Brian Kelly's mentioned this before. They, we fans, media like to manipulate rosters and try and get guys rest and stuff like that. Football players. Niles Morgan has five to six games left in his college career. He is not sitting out because his shoulder hurts. Sitting. Yeah, so that's. And you can't afford to do those things. You just. It's not the way. It, that's not an all hand. That's not a we want to dominate our opponent's approach. That's not Nordic's approach this year. Right, and if if he's healthy enough to play, he plays. Yeah. You you only get twelve regular season games. His shoulder uh, will be better in for the playoff game or for the bowl game. Yeah, uh, kind of along those same lines in you know reducing Wake Forest to just another opponent. Irish in RVA got to figure that to make any noise in the playoffs, it's going to take Wimbush hitting those intermediate and long routes with a little more consistency. Doesn't it behoove the coaching staff to use a game like this to work on getting the timing and rhythm thing down in the passing game? Before directly answering that, I, I, the most intriguing thing for me in this game is to see if I overvalued Wimbush's improvement in the screen game and the quick throws that he had. I thought he just got rid of the ball faster, more decisively, set up better, like as if that was the only thing he practiced for 10 straight days. He was 
compared to how he was trying to get rid of the ball on those quick receiver deliveries against USC, he looked way better against North Carolina State. Now, there's only four times it has to happen, but I think those have to be automatics. I am with Pete in that that middle, the mid-range, regular quarterback passing is not going to come to Wimbush this year. Did you want to know what Wimbush was on intermediate routes against North Carolina State? I know he hit Smythe on the prettiest throw of the year. but that's That was a deep ball. So. Oh, that was a deep in, ball. In my in your 20 yards or more is a deep ball. Okay. So you could how, how far did he... You mean, how do you determine deep the ball? ball? Where he catches it? The, the ball travel. I mean, it was like 23 yards. Okay. He one. only ran two yards after the catch? It was a 25-yard touchdown. Five, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was 7 of 9 for 77 yards. How, how far and is the Jefferson touchdown? How far is the medium? 6 to 20. Yeah, that would be medium. And I and medium. I and I discard throwaways because yeah, they're it's not. A throwaway. It's a throwaway. Yeah. Right. It's not a real pass. Yeah. That is by far his best performance of the year. Not even close. Um, and I asked him about this, but I think the Smite thing, and I wrote about this today or last night. The Smite throw, I think, will ultimately be one of the most important passes he throws all year because it is an example of how much he's grown from absolutely the Nick Wisher miss to the Smite connection. And I, I said, do you make that throw on time in September? And he's like, no, I don't. And there's, I mean, there's some real self-awareness. I asked Smythe, too, and he's like, I want to say that, yes, he would have thrown it. But, <laughs> but I'm but, being kind but, if I do. But now I know he will. I don't even mean that throw. I thought Brandon Wimbush stepping up in the pocket and hitting Smythe on that crossing. Oh, the 16-yard. Yeah, was yeah that, fell, that fell into the 7 for 9 the for 77. Right. Yeah. Um, that was a great pass, And then the too. patience shown on the, the tightrope catch uh, by by Smythe. When we were everybody in the press box of yelling run. Yeah, to speak. yeah. I, you know, that, I, I thought, that, I mean, that's why I was so excited about the performance right after the game because I thought those things really separated him from what he'd done early in the year. And I thought the USC game was the first step in that direction. So uh, I'm excited about that for Wimbush. However, I mean, as it pertains to this question, if you when you say a game like this, if you mean throw the ball more to take advantage of a vulnerable secondary, which is not what's being asked, but that's what I'm saying is the case with Wake Forest, then throw it because that is a young secondary without the brain trust of Jesse Bates it's a real vulnerable unit. It's vulnerable against the pass. It's vulnerable when Brandon Wimbush is running on the edge. Uh, that's why you take advantage of it, not because Wake Forest isn't any good and yeah. let's try some things. I think the most important thing for Notre Dame in these next four games after winning is to keep scoring 40 and keep holding their opponents low because you don't want to give anybody on a 13-person committee a reason to rank you number five. Yeah, that's fine. 42 points, don't give up points. Roll in and say, all right, we beat everybody by four touchdowns. Try and rank us number five is what Notre Dame's yeah. point should be yeah. here. For a point of comparison against Georgia, Wimbush was 9 of 22 for a buck 31 on intermediate routes, 40% accuracy. And last week he was 7 of 9, 78%. So it's. And it's the so, second best so, defense, is what some you're good, some good, out, right? Some good things are happening there. Um, and it's. Because, I, I Tim, I think after the game on our instant analysis, you were like, I really like what yeah, Wimbush did. Yeah, and you were like, it's like, a yeah. continuation of last week. But I, I, yeah. But uh, but I think like you were right. I was wrong because live I was like, I guess like there were some good things there. But then I then I watched the tape. And I'm like, wow, there's some really good things there. And then I did the numbers. I'm like, wow, there's some really really good things there. I look at, I mean, I to me when it comes to like completion percentage, that's way down on my list of priorities. Especially for him. when you're doing yeah. all these other things, and it starts with the. Uh, 
do we, it is absurd what he is doing in the red zone. It is absolutely absurd how productive he is there. And that's the bottom line. You know, we're talking about a guy that's accounted for 21 touchdowns and five turnovers. And all five came within the first three games of the, yeah, the, the season. Yeah, two and a half games of the right. year. That's he's, he's having a much better year than he gets credit for, but that's because people look at uh, passing percentage. Yeah, and media. I just don't <laughs> think that in this instance, because with with a college quarterback, not pro, but oh, with and, a college and, quarterback. And with his legs, if it's Tommy Reese, he has to complete 65%. Yes. But it's yes. not. that's not the case for Wimbush. Yeah. Statman 72, and he took two big steps against NC State. They didn't let success go to their heads, and they responded well when challenged. What is the next step in their development you would like to see against Wake Forest? Or uh, going forward, even? Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely scored a win over human nature last weekend. Um, I think the Wimbush deep ball is something that he could be a little bit better at. I didn't get a chance to ask him about that last weekend, because I'm not really sure how much of that is technique or footwork or fundamentals and how much of it is like, well, the wind picked up or the receiver bended. Bent that route a little bit too much. Just, just, just missed several of them. Too. Close. It's the whole season, there's been just misses on those. Um, you know, it's like you had the Boykin one where there's the non-defensive holding call. Um, you know, overthrew <laughs> Stefferson, which I think is that one is probably more of a miss just because Stefferson is fast. Um, you know, the EQ one, I think receiver can make that play sometimes. Yeah. You know, if Stefferson. Stretches out for the ball, maybe he has a shot at it. He doesn't do that. He didn't do that last year as a freshman. What game was it? Navy? Yeah. Where if yeah, he, it was. Or he slowed down. I think that was one of Greg Gabriel's things that he slowed down on that ball. Maybe that's asking too much of a guy uh, at that stage of the game. But um, yeah, you know, for me, more of everything more pass rush, more tackles for loss, more. You know, just more of what they've. We kind of. Yeah, we. We're we kind of. We kind of. You know, each podcast we're dealing with. What more can they do? Kickoff depth. I'm going to come Kickoff back. Kickoff depth. <laughs> it is accurate. It's it true. Is. It's true. It is. Their kickoff uh, coverage has to be better. You know, I mean, but but realistically, just keep doing what you're doing, right. and that's that's probably more than enough. That goes back to my my goal if I was Notre Dame would be to keep scoring six to seven touchdowns and holding teams under 20 points because no one could deny you anything at that yeah. point. It's not they're they're destroying teams and they have some flaws and you're, some of those flaws aren't going to be completely right. Right, and you're not giving as you mentioned, you're not giving the committee any wiggle room. Yeah, that, that's you, right. It doesn't. So at that point then it then the other factors outside of Notre Dame don't matter because you're still destroying people. I guess you keep developing. It's going to be a cold weather game. There's going to be two more cold weather games and two more that aren't. You do keep developing rapport with a guy like Claypool and Stefferson because you're not going to have cold weather games when you're right. when you're playing the best team. So, you know, maybe this isn't the weekend to be able you to know, develop passing get, game rapport, but uh, it's... Get Dexter Williams yeah, involved yeah, more. I mean, you start to, a little bit more. Yeah. They, they throw more him plenty, more. but he's got to make... Yeah, exactly. More. <laughs> more of everything. More of everything. I mean, their tight ends are coming on. There's not many things that aren't... Coming on. More Brian, potatoes. Brian Kelly has <laughs> basically... like my kids. Can I have another piece of candy? More meat. Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I just more? have more candy, please? More, you just, you've already had enough candy. You know it's a good year when you're pining for your Heisman Trophy running back to get fewer carries because you want Dexter Williams, who's touched the ball 20 times in his life, to get the ball. Right, back. well, you don't, you, don't want, you don't want 27 carries for Josh Adams this week. Okay, that, that takes me back to September when there was a uh, more Dexter Williams, less Josh Adams. Yeah. Previous... Uh, if I... Unless I... Didn't catch the right game. And that was his previous high of carries was twenty. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, and it's always in November. He get, keeps carrying the game that goes along. Yeah. Twenty seven is a lot. That is a lot. That's, that's, that's a lot for anyone. Yeah, school. that is. And um, yeah, you don't see that a whole lot. But I mean, I, I get 
kind of why it was necessary last week. Well, I think I, I I would guess Jones was probably on tap to get five or six in the hit pointer just to That's erase true. those carries. So. That's true. All right, last question. Jay Thunders, given the fact that you guys had the Irish at eight and four and nine or nine and three in the preseason, how disappointing would a nine and three finish be now? And would ten and three or nine and four still be a significant statement for the future of the Irish program? I was uh, I was asked a question similar to this just the other day on a radio show, and nine and three would be tremendously disappointing at this. At this be the point. end of the world at this point. <laughs> I, no, that's no. You can only you know even one more loss is going to be disappointing because you're, you're now you're in the playoff. You're you're today in the playoff talk. So that'll be disappointing. Nine and three would be tremendously disappointing. That's not that's not good enough. No. Second question first: Would ten and three still be a significant statement? No, it would be a really good year. Eleven and two is a, is a significant statement. It's okay to be eleven and two in this year. You had a great year. Um, disappointing. No matter what, a loss is disappointing. Now, what if you're eleven and one? You're not going to be disappointed if you lose to Alabama in the playoff game, right? But will you take? 10-2 during the regular season and a win over a quality opponent in a good bowl. Instead of what they have set up for them? No. <laughs> because they can go to the playoffs. <laughs> no, I in retrospect. no, I'm saying I'm saying, but you but yes. but okay, you want yes. to go to the playoffs. But eleven and two with a with a significant bowl win. That's a great step. That's a great step. That's a great step. But anything short of that is is not a great step. Right. It's a good year. Ten and three is a very good year, but Notre Dame has once since nineteen ninety three lost less fewer than three games. They cannot do that again this year. Notre Dame should not lose three games again this year when they are seven and one with Navy and Wake Forest on tap. They need to finish with two losses. I think that. Oh, okay, yeah. At, at work, at work. However, that happens. Right. Okay, two losses. I think if they finish with two losses, it is beyond reproach at in every possible way. Agree that they had a great, spectacular, amazing, totally fantastic year. Uh, so would you, the third loss would be very difficult to take. Yeah, so you would whatever. have gone from four and eight to eleven and two. That's that's progress. That's, uh, you, you, well, they it is progress should, because if you say they shouldn't have been four and eight, which they shouldn't have, you went from eight and four to eleven and two, which is also progress. Well, I don't know that they. I don't know that they should have been eight and four last year. They, they should have been, been seven and five. So still progress, but. You understand our, the point? Do you agree with the point that ten and three is another garden oh, variety I don't even, good year that you yeah, don't need three, right now? Yeah, three, three, three's a bad number. Bad number. It won't feel much different than twenty fifteen. I don't think. Right. If, in the end, I, and maybe it will depend on how the game, this mystery bowl game goes. Like, if, but if they lose to Stanford and then lose to like Oklahoma State yeah. or something, like that's not. That's You've got to stop losing the last regular one. season game of the year. You've got to stop doing that. It's every year since 2000 and it's four five, in a row. Except so 2005 and 2012 are the only ones they did. That's and, terrible. That's horrible. In fact, that in the new millennium, off the top of my head, 2000, 2005, <laughs> and 2012 are the only ones. And I get why. The last I mean, it's always, it's always USC and Stanford. I get why right, it's of difficult. Course, it's tough, but I mean, yeah. you get to play too. Not the only ones out there. <laughs> <It's, you> know, <laughs> win a game once in a while, so yeah, they got to win out, and then whatever happens after that's fine. It'll be yeah, it's gonna be fascinating to watch. Like I've, I've uh, been a clear poo pooer of the "Don't ever tell me you've doubled your win total." Yes, if you triple your win total, then I'll be like, okay, you can say that. You can put that in your game notes. <laughs> so, all right, well, that's it for this week's Irish Illustrated Center. We'll be back, uh, obviously, over the weekend, pregame, postgame, instant analysis, all sorts of coverage on irishillustrated.com and then the podcast. 
We'll return Monday to wrap up Wake Forest and uh, preview the second week of college football playoff rankings because, as we said, there's a lot that's going to happen in Tim O'Malley's mysterious 10-team uh, college football playoff parlay. So until then, Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, thanks for listening. Got my chips cashed in, keep trucking like the dude of me.